interest rates are going to stay at a higher rate, the current rate, over the next 12 months, that's for sure. And it's important they do because we do want to see inflation go back down to a more moderate rate. It really has to get down to around a 4% inflation rate before the Reserve Bank can start to go, we're going to lower rates. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. Today's show, Code Cracker, we're going to dig into the Reserve Bank of Australia's cash rate decision. We're going to have a quick talk about economics. So much going on, so many moving parts. I haven't jumped in in a long time to talk about economics, so I thought I'd come back today. It's my comeback economic special. I hope you're doing well. Welcome aboard, all you new listeners. Thank you for choosing me to learn about real estate. A big part of my job is simply to share information on the real estate economy. And of course, welcome back, urban property investors. I hope you're all doing well. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I tell you what, it's been difficult of late to tune in, hasn't it? Yes, because my podcast is like a weird little sperm failing to launch. It fails a lot. Uh, We're going to get on top of that, though, in the back end here at Urban Property Investor Headquarters. It's, uh, yes, I think we've had everything. We've had shows that failed to play. And, of course, most recently, you've probably experienced a completely different podcast playing on this podcast, which, uh, of course, is not good. But hey, we've got a lot of podcasts where I come from and uh, I'm connected with other podcasters and the team we use to upload podcasts have a few things on the go at any one time. But hey, you probably tuned in and uh, you heard Tabitha's podcast, which is Property Investor Tales, stories from the front yard, not the backyard, the front yard. So uh, if you heard that the other week, I apologize. Uh, Humans are humans and we all make mistakes. But hey, maybe you loved that podcast. And if you do, feel free to to abandon me and go to the uh, Investor Tales podcast. But no, we'll try and get it right. Just a public service announcement. If uh, my podcast failed to play or there is a weird other podcast playing in my name, I have not turned into a woman. It is uh, a mistake. And really the best way to eliminate it is just to remove the download and re-download. But I think we can make it to the end now to the end of this year without any further Urban Property Investor podcast mistakes. So, hey, thank you for coming back if you're still listening. And of course, uh, maybe you're not anymore. But uh, if you're here and you're hearing my voice, that means you want to learn more about real estate. We've got some great topics which uh, are going to come out. And today, though, we have to stop and pause and just have a chat about the economy 
And of course, what is unfolding in the real estate? Well, there is so much happening from Silicon Valley banks blowing up and, uh, and running out of money. Uh, the counterparty risk of that to deposit holders has been just a disaster over in America. Of course, the cash rate is on pause after 10 consecutive rate increases. And of course, we've got some serious concerns around the ability to provide housing to Australians, like we're running out of houses. Uh, there is real concerns around really the rental market and just how high rents will climb. And of course, uh, we seemingly are lowering inflation, which is a good signal for the next phase of the cycle. But it's fair to say we are in an interesting part of the cycle. It is exciting. There is so much happening, so much to talk about. Uh, it's unbelievable, really, that we're still in a boom with this rental market just experiencing really a huge, huge shift. Of course, the rental market was dormant for a long time, and it's great to see that rents and yields are climbing. And of course, for a property investor, you're absolutely loving what is unfolding at the moment because you're reach out to financial freedom is getting closer and closer because a lot of people, obviously, they have a magic number and if they can produce it from property and get the income they need from real estate from an asset and the rents are going to do that for them, wow, they're just getting closer and closer to financial freedom. In fact, really, these periods of the real estate marketplace are actually very, very enjoyable. They feel stressful, but they're enjoyable. What's more stressful is when there is nothing to talk about in real estate, when it's crickets out there, when it's just slow, there's no growth, there's no rental growth. Um, it's a much tougher period for property investors to actually get through. I think most property investors throw in the towel actually when there's a period of complete stagnation and almost boredom for the real estate economy. But at the moment, there is so much to talk about from really the impact of money on the household sector to obviously the financial sector, what it's up to, government, what it's involvement is in this money cycle and of course overseas factors which are impacting on the real estate economy it is really a rather circular flow of economics what people spend how they spend it where they spend it how much they've got left to spend the financial sector what it's lending money at what the government's going to do about the housing crisis and of course, then we have to mirror all that on what is happening overseas. And of course, we've had some pretty crazy things, not only the Ukraine war, we've got banks in America under stress, we've got uh, huge amounts of migrants coming back to Australia. So let's have a chat about what's going on out there. I think uh, obviously there is some impacts which at a global level, we're all learning about and and exploring and i think there is some local impacts which are being felt now which we can also explore i think the big big conversation obviously is the cash rate and obviously the reserve banks put that on pause after 10 consecutive 
interest rate rises. Now, if you're living through interest rate rises for the first time or investing through interest rate rises through the first time, this is not normal. It is not normal for a government and, uh, sorry, a Reserve Bank governor to do this 10 times in a row. Uh, I've never seen this before. I've seen interest rates high before, but typically what happens is the Reserve Bank changes interest rates every three, four, five months and moves money like that, not typically 10 times in a row. And of course, uh, if you've got through this period, you're doing so well. Give yourself a tap on the bank because it is hard. It is not easy to go through a constant change of money month by month. And of course, the reason being is we came off a very low base. And in some respects, uh, really the idea that interest rates were going to remain low for a very long time and the information that the Reserve Bank put out on that, that they weren't going to move rates till 2024, was a total bunch of malarkey. And of course, inflation took hold and the Reserve Bank has had no choice but to raise interest rates to try and deal with the inflation out in society. Now, inflation is caused by government, basically printing money and stimulating economics. They've gone off and done that. They did that during the COVID period, um, and they've just pumped way too much money into the economics, which has created inflation. I mean, today, even some of the big government projects are just killing real estate production of stock. If you go down to Victoria, most uh, building companies can make more working for a government road project than they can building a home. If you go up to Brisbane, most uh, builders can get great jobs working alongside government and private industry doing jobs for the Olympic Games than building up. And of course, what this has done is created a high level of inflation in the economy. And of course, it's probably fair to say, you know, off the back of COVID, a lot of people had money in the bank and got on the drug of spending, just retail spending through the roof. And in some respects, maybe it is a drug. Maybe uh, Australians are junkies right now when it comes to constantly needing a new pair of shoes or a new pair of pants. But has the interest rate adjustments 10 in a row started to s slow things down and put the genie of inflation back in its bottle? Well, the short answer is it has because CPI figures have just come out and they are encouraging. We're back to 6.8% inflation from a high of 8%. So it is starting to work. But interest rates are going to stay at a higher rate, the current rate, over the next 12 months, that's for sure. And it's important they do because we do want to see inflation go back down to a more moderate rate. It really has to get down to around a 4% inflation rate before the Reserve Bank can start to go, we're going to lower rates. And of course, a lot of this links to what happened last time. There was a big hyperinflation surge in economics. There was a lot of lessons learned. Now, if we go back to 
the 1990s, there was a high level of inflation out in the economy off the back of an energy crisis. And you could have money in the bank at a yield of 13% back then. It was amazing, right? You could borrow money for around 17%. And of course, the reason it got that high was the cash rate at the time was a bit fixed and didn't actually uh, get moved in the right direction during that period. And I'll explain a bit more. Basically, what unfolded was the Reserve Bank at the time, which was connected with government, actually decided after a period of inflation and after a period where inflation looked like it was under control, they started to lower rates. And of course, inflation started to actually go up again and they lost control of it. And it's fair to say that then they had to reverse their decision to lower the rates and put them back up, but beyond where they had them to a extremely, extremely high number where you were literally had a base rate of borrowing at around 17%. Now, of course, this is an important reminder. This is why we're going to have to see out this current interest rate cycle and why interest rates, where they are today, will linger around for the next 12 months. Now, it is even possible if CPI figures don't drop next time they are reported on, that the governor of the Reserve Bank actually puts up interest rates another time to really kick this thing one more time to try and squash it. Potentially even two more times to really put the boot in and break it once and for all. However, if the inflation figures that are next reported come in and they are lower than 6.8%, they will hold on interest rates. They will leave them where they are. But it's important over the next 12 months, you as a property investor, take on the understanding that this is the market you're going to have to fight your way through. And it is tough. And I take my hat off to everyone playing in the real estate marketplace right now. It is a tough sport. Because it's fair to say, back in the 90s, real estate was worth a can of Coke and even when you put it against the wages of the day and the interest rate of the, the day, today, if you are buying real estate right now, it is a, a high cost versus wages and property values to, uh, to borrow money at. But it's a very short-term situation. We've got maybe 12, maximum 18 months left of the cash rate being where it is versus what things cost to buy out in the marketplace. Really, the lever that's going to be moved is actually the cost of money. Real estate's not fundamentally getting any cheaper. It's certainly not getting any cheaper to build. There is only one way to create a more affordable product through new construction and that is fundamentally to remove property taxes from new builds. Now, if you dig into the cost to deliver a piece of property to the real estate marketplace, 
there is a lot of tax in there. There is a huge amount of contributions that new real estate needs to make to the marketplace. And of course, it can be about $100,000 of taxes inside of the new real estate economy. Now, those are taxes that the builder developers and producers of real estate have to pay. But uh, I think really the only way to create the level of stock needed for balance in the marketplace is for government to actually take one for the team. Because as we know, builders have pretty skinny margins and can't produce the real estate at the moment. Plus, they can go out and work uh, alongside big government contracts to deliver huge infrastructure projects to the marketplace. So there's no stock being produced, that is for sure, which is one of the interesting effects of where we find ourselves today. We're actually in a really, really, really interesting place where fundamentally things are booming. But if we look at the actual cash rate, have we reached the top of the cycle? It's an interesting question. Well, we kind of have, but we potentially haven't which is how I would answer it. And it really does allude to the idea that if this inflation lingers a bit longer, we're going to have to kick it one more time. However, if I look at some of the interest rate charts and the forecast for interest rates, really Westpac uh, have probably alluded to the maximum cash rate will be 4.1%. But what's interesting to them is they're pricing in the cost of money much, much lower from March 2024. So we roughly have about 12 months to see through this thing called inflation. And in fact, by September 2025, Westpac actually has the cash rate back down to 2.35%. So that means you would be borrowing money at a more uh, more normal rate of, say, 4.5%, which is fantastic. Uh, and, of course, that's probably an investor figure, probably less even for home buyers or homeowners who aren't investors. Investors pay a bit of a premium on their interest rates. So we will get back to a more affordable place. It is going to happen. And actually, we can tell what money is going to be worth by the bond rate. Bond yields and interest rates sort of work closely together. And you can go on if you want to understand the future of where money is priced at. You can use the Australian government bond rate. So a little tip if you want to understand what the future looks like, what... uh, the market is pricing in the cost of future money, you can just simply go and Google the five-year government bond rate, which uh, as of last week was around 2.89%. So you can see that you can buy a five-year government bond fixed to mature in five years at 2.89%. Obviously, the cash rate today is a lot higher than that. So if we look at the one-year government bond rate, it's more like 3.1%. Again, when we look at uh, the figures, the future, it's looking good. It's looking much cheaper than what it costs today. And again, real estate doesn't cost a can of Coke. It's 
for a good, decent property, it costs money. And that money, you need to obviously borrow from the bank. Now, this is why I always teach property investors total return logic. I think it's just an easier way to control risk. And of course, the ultimate risk for a property investor is the return is too low versus the price they paid for real estate and they just obliterate their savings or they don't have any equity they can use to help pay for that mortgage. So I'm a big fan of good capital growth, but also a decent enough rental return, plus some tax advantages to prop up your asset to help you cash flow your property. And really, the reason for that is more for periods of economics like this, where you're going to have to control your real estate to get through a very painful period of time. Obviously, if your rents are doing the lion's share of the work, and of course, you're getting some extra cash flow from things like depreciation, you're able to obviously control real estate and not dip in so much to your back pocket. Now, there's some great real estate out there with a big burn rate. I own some real estate whereby it is highly, highly attractive real estate to the marketplace. But the burn rate is huge. Like uh, it is some of the best capital growth real estate in Australia. It's located around Sydney Harbour, but the burn rate is massive. You have to literally throw out hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to look after that property. So you got to have a really well-paying job to prop up that asset. Now, again, if we can find the right asset with a good combination of growth and cash flow, I think for a lot of property investors, they just prefer that because they do not want the big burn rate of the uh, asset that costs a lot more to run. So how do we get through to September 2025 when the cash rate is going to be 2.35%? What can we do to make sure that we are going to make it through this next period because it's not over. There is more to be done. Well, the first thing we can do is tackle the rental market. Now, I'm a big believer in teaching and I've talked about this a lot that the better areas, better locations, more affluent suburbs just have a higher person who earns more money. Obviously, their ratio of what you can charge them in rent is typically a lot higher. Now, obviously, um, one of the best things to do right now is to look at your rental properties to make sure that you're putting your rents up. And typically, we need to work within government boundaries of 12-month renewals. But don't be afraid to actually uh, terminate a current tenant to go and find a better rent. And I know that sounds a bit counterintuitive because vacancies are scary, but there are some good rents out there and potentially your tenant doesn't actually value what your asset is and will probably have a bit more of a reality check once they go to an open home, see 35 other people lined up around the corner to rent a property. Now, remember, there's some really good fundamentals happening right now in the real estate marketplace. Some great things are actually unfolding. The real estate marketplace is actually booming. It is rental booming. 
And again, probably the toughest period to own real estate is when there's nothing going on, when it's like, you just go, you just like, what is happening? There's nothing in the news. There is nothing uh, stimulating the real estate economy. It's just flat as a tact. For a lot of property investors, that does their head in because they don't like that there's no news, no noise. At the moment, though, the noise is pretty wild when it comes to the rental marketplace. And of course, if we go back and study some of the growth figures that, for example, SQM put out, Melbourne doing 15% growth, Sydney 16%. I mean, this has been achieved. Like some suburbs are up 25, 35. In fact, some suburbs are even up to 42% growth in rents. And a lot of it is to do with obviously the crisis which is unfolding whereby there's just not a lot of stock being produced. Uh, and of course, when you think about it, right, Stock has not been produced properly in Australia for a long time. APRA got in the way back in 2016, 17, 18. They basically removed property investors from the market through lending. No landlords being created, if you like. Then in 2019, we had the election where Bill Shorten was going to remove uh, tax strategies for property investors. No stock was being produced in mass levels. Then we removed foreign investors from producing stock for the rental market by taxing them uh, 12.5% to buy real estate plus a uh, proportion of capital gains in advance. So that removed a lot of overseas investors. Then uh, we had a pandemic for basically three years where the ability to produce stock in lockdowns and timeframes was just ridiculously, ridiculously difficult. And of course, now we find ourselves in a terrible situation when it comes to the ability for people to find a roof over their head. And on top of that, all the students are back, plus the federal government has suggested that this financial year and next we will be seeing from a migration point of view, temporary migrants and those seeking permanent residency returning and up to 650,000 of them over this financial year and next. That is crazy. That is, that is basically uh, the city the size of Canberra and if you threw in Darwin and Toowoomba and Cairns, in people coming to the country basically over the next 20 months, which of course is fueling a crisis in housing. There's really not a lot of places to rent. And when we look at the figures, it's not going to get any better anytime soon. In fact, if you look at the current inflation figures, it's very, very difficult for people to borrow money. Uh, it's very, very difficult for builders to make a profit and develop real estate. So I can't see production increasing. And certainly when I look at uh, anecdotally cranes in the sky, when I drive around Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, there's just, there's nothing. There is nothing. And again, we are just not going to produce the stock for the next three to four years 
So this crisis is going to stick around and it's going to create a boom phase for property investors to get better rents. And of course, for property investors, this is a great thing because, again, if we know the cash rate's going to return to a better rate by checking out the long-term five-year bond rate, but also if we can look at, say, forecasts from banks, what are banks going to be buying money for? What are they pricing money in at? Westpac, by September 2025, is pricing in money at 2.35%. So they'll put some loading on that when they sell it to you. But uh, that means we really have about, you know, call it uh, two years to suck it up, get through something, put our rents up as high as possible. And of course, when we wake up in two years time with a lower uh, variable interest rate, but higher rents, that's going to be the polar opposite of where we find ourselves today. It's going to be the sort of bullwhip or slingshot effect. And of course, for a lot of property investors, they are actually going to reach financial freedom off the back of the current boom. And the reason being is they will need less assets in the future, but maintain or have a better level of rent. And it can mean for some investors, they reach financial freedom actually off the back of what is going on. Now, let me just create an anecdotal conversation here. Uh, Let's say there was a property investor who's got some equity in some real estate, has two properties. Uh, One property, they've got, I don't know, $500,000 in equity. The other property, they have very little in equity, uh, maybe $100,000, but it rents for $700 a week or did rent for $700 a week. Now it's renting for $1,000 a week. Now, all of a sudden, that property investor whose goal is $50,000 per annum, because that property is renting for $1,000 a week, they've reached that goal. Now they've got another property which is full of wealth. They can sell that and pay down the debt and eliminate their situation and actually move to a much more consolidated ownership level as an investor to reach their goal of financial freedom. Now, it's just a hypothetical example, but a very real example. It's happening out there. People I speak to who have been inside the real estate economy for a while are ready to do this. They're sort of starting to see that their numbers are starting to work. And the maths means that they can actually carry less debt, less assets, but maintain a level of good rent out in their asset base and of course this is exciting stuff but we know the population and dwelling stock ratio is not uh, even at the moment like the it's just too many people not enough real estate and of course this is pushing pressure on rents which is just amazing and of course if we go back to the supply disaster story really you know it was never meant to be like it is today because Home Builder was created to produce massive amounts of real estate during the pandemic so that uh, affordability was was undertaken. The Great Australian Dream was, was available um, and it didn't pan out because if you're going to stimmy an economy and do that to prop up 
basically the construction market, but also provide huge government jobs, there's going to be a point where it breaks. And of course, for a lot of the home builder market, it hasn't produced the stock it was supposed to produce. A lot of pressure on home builders to even see out their contracts. And of course, there has been a home builders that have gone into voluntary liquidation because they just haven't been able to meet their obligations based on what it actually costs to deliver real estate. And again, really the only way for supply to be produced moving forward, in my viewpoint, is government needs to rethink their charges for the production of real estate. They just can't uh, mathematically put the burden of what they do on the system because it doesn't work. So they're going to have to rethink where they're going to get tax revenue from, which is a big conversation because as a person who looks at feasibilities all day, nothing works. Like I see so much real estate out there that can be turned into developments, but nothing works because of what it costs to deliver real estate today. So again, like it's interesting, there is a shortage of stock being produced and that stock that is being produced, again, not all of it is good real estate. So then it's like a bit of a needle in a haystack at the moment to find good real estate, which stacks up in the new production marketplace. And of course, I spend a lot of my day trying to figure that one out. And again, um, yeah, it's it's diamonds in the rough, so to speak, because much of the market just isn't actually capable of being produced. So we are seeing some great signals, though, because actually the fundamentals of what is happening in the market is booming rents, and CoreLogic has just reported that the market has bottomed out. The cycle is starting to recover. So you can see that through, for example, the auction clearance rates in both Sydney and Melbourne, auction clearance rates are back over 70%, which is mind-blowing because we are in a period whereby, economically speaking, it should be much tougher. But I think we're seeing the resilience of the real estate marketplace, the big rock, the proxy for all of us is real estate. And it is a proxy because everyone's jobs is linked to real estate. Community is linked to real estate. Uh, and of course, real estate is the number one asset class inside of Australia. So if we were to look at, for example, late repayments, at the moment, it's very, very low. Like 1% of all properties are late in their payment cycle, uh, which is up to 90 days. Uh, obviously, there is some stress happening out in the economy with certain households being unable to keep up with the cost of living and the living pressures off the back of interest rate rises. So you're a property investor, you're not a homeowner, you do get a rental return. So again, how do we defend ourselves? Let's make sure we get those rents up. Let's make sure we're reviewing those leases every year because we've got about 12, 18 months to go of this cycle before it starts to really be more friendly to us. The other thing we can do is we've got to look after our buffer, our cash flow, our money in our back pocket. 
Now, generally, as I alluded to, I teach the idea of total return so that you're getting a good mixture of capital growth and rental return, so you're not burning your buffer. However, uh, some people are burning their buffer right now, and the best way to make sure you've got some buffer is obviously savings, putting some money away for a rainy day, but also in some respects, if you've got equity, if you liquefy that equity, basically turn it into real cash and put it in your offset and you've got ability to even redraw some of that money, it's going to be uh, perfect for you because you're going to have yourself an extra line of credit or buffer that you can actually use if you're starting to need to uh, prop up your asset base. Now, remember, if you want to do some maths, 18 months, that's basically what you've got to work out how to get through this part of the cycle. And again, my hat goes off to you because it is a difficult part of the cycle. People will talk about it was harder before, but actually it's quite hard now. But that is the beauty of, I think, this whole concept called real estate. Because if you can get through this period, you're home and host because it's much easier into the future. And, uh, you know, if uh, what doesn't break us makes us stronger. And I think we're going through a what doesn't break us, make us makes us stronger period of time. Now, when we look at the RBA assessment of borrowers with spare cash flow, most of the market's still got very healthy cash reserves. There is around 15% of borrowers basically now starting to uh, run out of spare cash. And as such, there is a risk for certain households that they'll start to have to get out of their home ownership. They'll have to renegotiate with the bank. However, most of the market is pretty healthy. And as I say, the default rate at the moment is less than 1%. Will it start to climb over the next 12 months? Could we see the default rate go from, for example, 1% to 4%? It is very, very probable. Uh, are there mortgagee sales that potentially could unfold this year and into next? It is probable. It is probable. Um, and again, potentially some very good buying opportunities. Will we see a total meltdown? Not probable. Not probable. We would say that that is very, very unlikely because uh, the numbers are just not supportive of that. And actually, CoreLogic has put out the start of recovery now for the real estate marketplace. So people are starting to see... Uh, signals that are really going to get them to the next phase of this thing called real estate investment. Certainly from an investor's point of view, I think uh, really you're in the box seat again because of weak level of new housing completions. Like the home builder thing didn't work. The houses didn't get produced. And in some respects, um, despite really, I guess, you know, best endeavors, the idea was a bit of a disaster. It just basically did not come to fruition through the wider economy like we thought it would. And really the idea was to push uh, construction 
make sure everyone's got a job, use the proxy of real estate to stimulate the economy. And uh, obviously, all that basically happened was it created inflation and housing delays and now a housing shortage. So what has unfolded is we are missing thousands of thousands of properties. And of course, this is where we find ourselves today, really in a situation where we've got some hurdles to overcome. We've got about 12, 18 months worth of more uh, higher interest rates to deal with. We've got to set up our buffers. We've got to put up our rent and we've got to use offsets. It's really the best way to lower the cost of money. Now, there's all sorts of other things happening at a geopolitical world level. Uh, you've got, you know, things like BRICS, which is Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa talking about, you know, not using US currency to settle transfers, not that they, you know, do a lot of business together because they're the same economy-based economics. You've got, uh, obviously, geopolitical pressures with China and Taiwan. You've got, you know, the European Union, Russian gas. You've got the Ukraine war. Uh, you've got deglobalization. You've got potential cryptocurrency regulation. You've got uh, all sorts of conversations around, you know, basically, uh, you know, a carbon neutral world. Um, so there's all sorts of drama out there, which you can certainly buy into. And we are obviously part of a circular model of economics. What happens in America affects what happens in Australia. What happens in China affects what happens in Australia. And of course, uh, again, this is why it's important that uh, we we take a long horizon view to real estate. There are some better cycles ahead. And if you just read what was in the newspaper, you'd probably, um, you know, not want to participate in this thing called real estate. But most of it, of what makes us anxious, actually never happens. And so our job as property investors, the Reserve Bank has paused. It's basically now going to review what is going to happen. There is no wage spiral happening with jobs. Wage growth has stalled once again. Again, if it was to spiral, we would see inflation take off again because people got more money in their back pocket, going to spend more money. That's not unfolding. So that's a great sign. Uh, we've got the real estate market bottoming out very good signal. We've got rents going up. Really, really, really great signal. We've got huge migration coming into the country, which obviously props up housing. Great signal. The five-year bond rate is already pricing in a lower cash rate, which is obviously what we're looking at. So don't let this break you. You can do it. You can make it. There is really you're over the hump which is the beautiful bit. You're literally there. And so there's going to be news. We've got crazy Anastasia Palaszczuk up in Queensland. She'll throw out some strange news, no doubt, to win the Four Horsemen Award in 2023, uh, which she's always doing. Uh, we've got other, um, 
negative net ne- negative Nellies in the news all the time, but don't let it rattle you. All you've got to do, 12 months, 18 months, set up your finances so that you can get through this thing. And then you are really going to profit from real estate once again because those rents are not going to go backwards. It's just not going to happen. We're actually facing, by the end of this, probably about 10 years worth of undersupply, huge migration and strong rents. And of course, again, this is the time where you can set yourself up financially to free yourself up to go again. So that's the update. It's uh, a mad, mad world. Um, but thank you for tuning in. And let's let's hope it. We never know where, if we get to the end whether it's a good show. Hopefully it's a good show. Hopefully it plays. Uh, that would be cool as well. All right. I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of the Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.